Hey LA, Lance Bass here with the latest in the City of Angels. Immerse yourself in our vibrant fashion scene where exclusive streetwear meets high-end boutiques. Stroll through styles defining our bold, wildly creative city, like the unique finds at Melrose Trading Post, a real LA gem. Explore star-studded experiences on Hollywood Boulevard, behind-the-scenes studio tours, and moments of awe under our legendary blue sky. Picture this. The iconic Griffith Observatory, inspiring directors worldwide. Plan your weekend at discoverla.com. It's the time to leave your mark in the city of angels. Lance Bass is adding off. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career. For your family. For your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University. One of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Frosted Tips with Lance Bass, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hello, my little peanuts. It's me, your host, Lance Bass. This is Frosted Tips with me and my lovely co-host, Slash husband, Turkey Turchin. <laughs> Hello there. Uh, Turkey. Yes. Just got back from Miami. I did. Um, seeing the fam. Uh, so sorry, grandma passed. Yes, my last remaining grandparent yeah. has left this earth. I don't know why I'm not laughing. What a I, life, though. This yeah. grandma was a character. She was a character. She had a great life, though. So it was yeah. a very happy funeral. I mean, it wasn't a happy funeral. I shouldn't say that. But it was, a, it was a lively funeral. It was a lively funeral. Yeah, she She's from New Orleans, Orleans yeah. so they had a whole, I mean, it was catered, like, they spent a fortune on, like, this whole, mm. yeah, mm. this whole thing at my grandma's house. There was, like, oyster bar and, like, a fried chicken bar. It was gumbo bar. It was everything. And then they had a whole band, a whole jazz band with a blues singer. That just sounds ratch. Yeah, <laughs> it was, ratch. yeah, it was, it was, and it was, like, a whole party. Yeah. I, look, that's how... I want to go for sure. I know, like, literally, I want people to just you've always have said fun this. and yeah, music. I, I kind of see bagpipes too. I, I feel why. like if you know you're gonna die, like if you're in hospice, you'd want to have the funeral. Like when you're like kind of, I'll just wheel you out into the oh, room. Yeah, I want to watch it. I so you're like, you know, semi alive, semi not alive, yeah, and I'm you like can a, just kind of like see a good party. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have a pre-funeral for you, Lance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so don't I'll... die suddenly. You're gonna ruin the surprise. <laughs> I think everyone should, yeah, throw their funeral years before they pass, just so they enjoy just it. Just in case, you can see. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's a good idea. This is kind of a morbid conversation. Why not? Uh, we also just got back from uh, Austin, <laughs> Texas. All right, y'all. If you haven't been to Austin, y'all. it is a great city. So you fun. Like live music and food. I feel like Austin is the perfect baby of New Orleans and Nashville. Yeah. You know, it's got that live feel. Um, it's very just hip and cool. Uh, young, very young. Real young. But uh, we kind of fell in love with it. And, you know, we've been kind of contemplating basing ourselves somewhere back in the South so the kids can go to school, you know, with a little more space. Um, so we were looking at Nashville. Uh, but now I think I like Austin. Austin might be the place. I like for Austin us. more, I think. And so many of our best friends live there. Jamie oh. Lynn Sigler moved down there with like a bunch of her friends. Like a bunch of those actresses kind of moved down there yeah, at the like same Oda time. Annabelle and uh, yeah. Haley. Haley Duff. Duff. Yeah. All, all those gals. Yeah. Stacey Keebler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good crew. And everyone has kids. Like our kids would fit in so well there. I know. We could be the honorary uh, gays. And you know, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to push upon. I don't want to push anything upon my kids. But if there's anything I want to push onto Panucci or Violet, we we call my son Panucci, uh, is baseball. And it's such a baseball town. And you know, Jamie Lynn's husband is you know professional baseball player. And we went to go see uh, oh the, my God. the little kids play while yes. we were there. I love watching t-ball. It is so fun. It was so cute. Oh my God, it was so cute. I'm not going to name names, uh, but oh. there was, I don't want to call this person out. There was an actor who had who has moved, who was in the... You know, back no, in the, just, a while ago, during my this. teenage, was like in a real popular teen movie. Like yeah. it was like the pinnacle at the time. Yeah. And nice really nice guy. guy, like so nice. Where you think, like, what are you gonna do to me? Like, yeah, it seems almost fake. You're like, what is? Why are you this nice? But he is, you know, not does not have an accent. He's not from Texas, but he moved to Austin a few years ago. And when he and we were warned. He might be at this baseball game, and if he starts, you're gonna see. He talks like this now. It's been there for like five years. Oh, hello, guys. How are I you? I saw you from over there. I had to come over and say, say hi. hi. And we're like, it can't be that bad. And he, lo and behold, he just shows up. His kid wasn't even playing baseball. He literally shows up. Hey guys, you know what? I just had to come over and watch the game myself. I just love the atmosphere here. He brings a lawn chair to watch Little League with his wife and son. His wife's like, hey, no accent. Uh, and his daughter. And he was just like, well, gee golly. Oh my God, this is my little lady. Uh, and we're like, well, you have adopted a new life. Good for you. I mean, may it, you be happy. It was amazing. It was as, as warned as we were. It was even beyond that. Beyond. It, it, it felt like, uh, what was that? Foglorn. What is the? Uh, uh, foghorn. Leg, yeah, foghorn, leghorn. Yeah, or whatever. Whatever. The rooster. <laughs> the toonies. Or he was like, literally like, well, I do declare. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? <laughs> it's so it was funny. a trip. All right. I won't so, say the name. Austin, <laughs> we love you, and we're coming for you. Because, yeah. yeah, I love it. I wish it was the only problem about... Like in Nashville or Austin, I'm such a water person, so I want to be as close to the beach as possible. I, I wish know. Austin was on the beach. How great! They have great lakes, really great lakes, but yeah, I an ocean. I know, I love an ocean. Yeah, but it's close enough. Whatever. Okay. All right, that's enough of enough our of this riffraff. Uh, let's take a little break. When we come back. We have the one and only Johnny Wright on the show today. <laughs> Lots of questions, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and we have a lot of fan questions out there too. Ooh. So when we come back, Johnny Wright will be with us. Thank you. 
Hey LA, Lance Bass here with the latest in the City of Angels. From epic shopping to nonstop pride events, discoverla.com is your gateway to everything LA. From walk-up windows and rooftop bars to year-round alfresco dining, Los Angeles is a culinary thrill ride sure to leave visitors hungry for more. From tacos to sushi, we truly have some of the best restaurants. After you get a bite to eat, get a taste for fame firsthand by attending a star ceremony on Hollywood Boulevard or glimpse behind the scenes at World Famous Studio Tour. Stop and see a movie at the iconic El Capitan Theater and check out the stairs outside the Dolby Theater where all the stars walk before the Oscars. Take a hike at Glamorous Griffith or stop for a boba or a draft cold brew at an outdoor cafe perfect for people watching. There are endless amounts of outdoor activities in L.A. with our beautiful weather. And, of course, Pride is celebrated every day in Los Angeles. Everyone is welcome to experience our sparkling nightlife, indulgent spas, and sensational shopping. Plan your weekend at discoverla.com. It's time to leave your mark in the City of Angels. Lance Bass, signing off. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. All right, Turkey, we do have some breaking news to share. Oh, we do. With yes. our lovely listeners. Uh, we're changing the world, is all I have to say. We're, we're making f- dreams come true. Yeah. Frosted Tips is really changing the world. Because of you guys, because of you guys, we have something very special to announce. June 11th. Remember when we had that interview with Dream Street? How could you not remember? And we convinced them to, you know, get back together and just give us another song? Yeah, come on. Let's well, do it. It's happening. What? That's right, Dream Street. Breaking news, breaking news is releasing their first single in a very long time. On the 11th, it's going to be on Spotify. And it's also Chris Trusdale's birthday. Yeah. So, I have, you know, obviously this is, you know, uh, in memory of him. But I am so, I've not heard it yet. So we're all going to have to wait for the 11th. But uh, yeah, we are making dreams come true with Dream Street on Frosted Tips. I can't wait. Guys, you did this. You did this. All right, who else can we get to come back? Um... I'll work on NSYNC. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll, okay. We'll work on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations, Dream Street. I'm so excited to hear it. Yay!
All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We have a very special show today because we got the man behind so many of your favorite artists. So he's got the true tea on everything. <laughs> uh -huh. um, but I know it's hard to get some stories out of him. So let's let's see, you know, how much we can get him to reveal because he's pretty secretive. A gentleman never tells. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, well, there's no right. gentleman here. <laughs> yeah, American talent agent, media proprietor. He has managed groups. All right, new kids on the block. Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Jonas Brothers, Menudo, Triple Image, Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, Aaron Carter, Stevie Brock, Sierra. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> I've heard of a couple of them. I've heard of a few of those. <laughs> While working in radio, he befriended Maurice Starr, uh, who discovered New Edition. And in 1988, when Starr was managing New Kids on the Block, Starr hired Wright as a driver for the band. I feel like everyone starts as a driver. Yep. Uh, and Wright <laughs> became the group's road manager for four years. Wright is currently president and CEO of Wright Entertainment Group. Uh, the Wright Entertainment Group manager's roster includes Justin Timberlake, 98 Degrees, AJ McLean, and Incubus. <laughs> Johnny Wright, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you Yay. for having me. Uh, excited to have you here because I have never interviewed you really. No. I mean, only for that documentary, but I didn't even get to interview you That's for that. True. Yeah. Um, but uh, all right, so let's start at the beginning. I, I I don't know. Okay, where where are you from? What was little Johnny Wright like as a kid? <laughs> Oh, he was a terror. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How far back you want to go? Let's I go. Mean, or where were you born? I was born in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Hyannis, okay. Homer the Kennedys. Oh, yes. Um, so, but the bottom line is my mother was an organist at church. Mm -hmm. And so music was always around me. She had a record player that she played a lot of music with and told me never to touch it. <laughs> When she would leave, I'd play all of her records. Mm -hmm. And so I got a fascination for music and, and, and song. You know, flip a few years, years later, where we're from, there wasn't a whole lot to do. So our Saturday night consists of me and my cousin Cassandra sitting home listening to the radio. They had a show called Instant Request. And you could call a station, request a song, and they would actually tape you introing the song. So we'd sit there all night so we could hear ourselves on the radio. So that was kind of cool with me. So in school, I kind of got a little behind because I was just a dreamer and had other things other than schoolwork. So I needed to make up some credits. So they offered an after school program for two hours where you could actually go and learn how to be a disc jockey at a radio station. Mm -hmm. So I took that job or I took that class and it wasn't what I thought it was. It wasn't about how to actually work the board and play music. It was about the engineering aspects. So understanding the technical aspects of radio. So one day, I went to the bathroom, and the biggest disc jockey on Cape Cod was in the bathroom also. His name is Tony Arden. He said, that's a pretty boring class, huh? I said, absolutely. So he said, hey, if you really want to learn how this is, come hang with me on the weekend, Saturday nights. I have to do six to midnight. So I did, and I went and hung with him, and this went on for a couple of weeks. And then he said, take some music into the production studio, and I want to hear what you would sound like if you had to put a show together. So back then, the rules of the FCC was no one without a FCC license are supposed to be in the radio station. So I'm sitting there making my tape, and all of a sudden, these lights start to come in the driveway, and he runs in the studio, and he goes, you got to get out. It could be my boss. I'll get fired if you're here. You're unlicensed. So I left the tape in the machine and jetted out the back door. He calls me about four days later, and he says, my program director wants to speak to you. And I said, why? He said he found your tape. He was looking for a blank tape to do a commercial on, and he listened to what was on it. He wants to talk to you. 
So I'm on my way to the station going like, oh no, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. But then I was like, but I don't work here, so how can yeah, I be in like, trouble? Yeah, yeah, what are they gonna do? <laughs> so when I get there, he says to me, hey, I listened to your tape. He goes, I kinda like what you're doing. He said, there's a big nightclub coming into the Cape called Tingles. They wanna buy out two hours a night on Saturday night. You seem to have a, a feel for what that music is. I wanna give you a gig. He said, but, I need you to come on the station at two o'clock in the morning because back then, now I'm dating myself, the stations used to shut off at midnight and go blank till six o'clock in the morning. So he wanted me to practice at 2 a.m. when nobody, quote unquote, was listening. So I go, I'm 16 years old at this point. So I tell my parents, hey, I have to go out on Saturdays at two o'clock and not in my household, you're not. <laughs> so I actually had to move out and get my own apartment at no 16. Way. Yeah. Did oh, they wow. think that you were... Uh, lying about going to the shop and you were just they really didn't care it was yeah. just no son of mine is going to be out in yeah. the streets mm -hmm. you know at two o'clock in the morning it didn't matter what it was for mm. so i had to go get an apartment and uh at 16 at 16 i oh got this little gosh. efficiency place <laughs> wow. you know um and anyway so i ended up doing that little test run and i got the job so the first night that i was actually on the radio i get a phone call and it's this guy named Maury Starr. And I had known Maurice because, you know, he had done shows around the area that we were in. And he says, hey, well, I want you to play my music. So I did. And again, because I could program my own station then. I didn't have anyone telling me what to do. So every week now, Maurice would call me. say, don't forget to play my songs. So after about three or four weeks, we started this conversation where he said, hey, I'm going to do a talent show in Boston. He said, I'm looking for 15 investors to invest $1,000 a piece, and I'm going to use that money to record the record on the person that won the talent show. And back then, $1,000 for me, being 16 in high school, I couldn't come up with it. So talent show went on. The group that won was New Edition, and the song was Candy Girl. Mm. So, <laughs> so you could have invested in New Edition? Yeah, I could have invested wow. in New Edition yeah. back then, but couldn't come up with it. How was Maurice Stark? Because, I mean, I hear so many stories about him. Uh, what was he like <laughs> and during that time? Um, look, Maurice was cool. Like, I've never had any problems with him. He, you know, he was very talented. He could play just about every instrument. And, you know, he had it in his mind. Well, he tried to be an artist and wasn't as successful. So, again, having this talent show gave him an opportunity to connect to young talent that he could take his talents of being a writer and producer and Put yeah. some records out. What records was he trying to get you to spin before New Edition? Uh, he had a song called About Time I Funked You, Baby. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wish we could play music on the show because we would play the clip. Yeah, right it was now. from I an mean, album, I'll never forget it, called Flaming name. Star. And when you look at the cover, it looked like he was a flaming star. I don't mean that in a negative way, but he had an actual star where oh it was full of flames and he was standing in the middle of it with this crazy so album. So not like Lance Flaming? Flamer. It's a different flamer. <laughs> yeah, not Lance Flaming. Oh, uh, no, I I don't want to get myself in trouble with that. No. <laughs> but where did the roller skates come in? Because oh, that, this is this is what he's uh, interested in. Oh, no, I'm interested because literally as I'm getting out of the car in the garage, walking to the building, Lance is like... Again, this yeah. could be one of the dreams I had. And I'm like, I don't know this if this This is 1,000% really must be a dream. And if it's not, I'm going to be shocked. Um, <laughs> he's like, yeah, you know, he's like... Did like things with roller skates. I was like, what, what does that even mean? And he was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he like... You know, like he got to Florida, he like rollerbladed from Massachusetts. 
to Florida. And that's so, how we got there. And yeah. I was like, yeah. well, that's kind of true. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. So that is amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, make a movie about that. <laughs> so part of what I was doing is working on a radio. I was also the disc jockey of a roller skating rink. Mm -hmm. And so I just had a bunch of buddies and we were sitting around one day and we saw this movie called Roll Freddy Roll. I don't know if you saw it, it was with Tim Conwell, where he, Conway, where he had to keep roller skates on for 14 days to kind of set a Guinness World Record. So we knew we couldn't do that, but we were like, let's do something else. Let's roller skate somewhere. And Florida was always the place that we loved to go. So I said, what would it be like if we roller skated to Florida? So we got the March of Dimes, which was the charity that we were going to do it for, raised money. And at the time, the radio station that I was working with, they basically did an interview every morning with us on our journey. And what the interesting thing was is to find out some schools were actually documenting where we were. So if we were in New York today, they would do classroom routines on what, what's New York all about, what are some of the famous things. So it became cool like that and took us 14 and a half days and we roller skated from Orlando, uh, excuse me, from Cape Cod, Massachusetts to Orlando, Florida. Oh, I'm so glad my. that story was true. Because I don't know true. if I was just. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> is wild. Uh, I love it. How do, I mean, you're just super creative. I mean, coming up with that idea, were you always a creative kid? Yeah, I was, I was the only child, so I was a dreamer, yeah. you know, and like I say, um, and I wasn't afraid back then, you know, what did I have to lose? So I tried everything. And that's why the whole situation with the after school thing for radio. And I just must say, uh, to continue on that subject, um, once New Edition won and I couldn't afford to put it together, as you know, in this business, if you don't have your contracts right, things happen. So Maurice really never had a contract on the group. So uh, these guys from yeah. New York came in and basically stole the group. Up. Yeah. Oh, man. So That's out right. of revenge, he put another group together who had an opportunity to open up for three weeks for Tiffany, mm -hmm. uh, the big pop singer of the time, and he couldn't afford a tour bus. So he asked me to drive him around in a camper. Mm -hmm. And those three weeks became four and a half years and the group was new kids on the block. Yeah. yeah. So, it's been so fun <laughs> seeing all the angles of this story. Of this the same story. We've had, yeah. You know, Donnie Wahlberg's been on the show. Jordan Knight. Oh, I'm sorry. John Knight's been and on the Jordan. show. Oh, Jordan has too. Yeah. We have God. We've done so <laughs> many shows. Like I can't even remember which boy <laughs> and Tiffany. And we've had oh, Tiffany. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So it's been so yeah. fun seeing all these stories collide, you know, and everyone's uh, angles. Cause we always heard, okay, it's, it's the classic story of Tiffany and new kids went on tour and the mall tour. And then all of a sudden halfway through the tour, the new kids were the ones to watch. So they kind of had to switch, yes. uh, which is, I mean, crazy. And it kind of reminds me, it's not exactly the same, but when Brittany was with touring with us on that mm -hmm. first tour in America, was that ain't no stopping us now? Maybe. Yep. Yeah. Uh, when she first started, you know, baby one more time had, you know, come out, but it wasn't doing that great. Um, and so she comes on tour with us and some of the fans knew some of the songs, but I remember her leaving stage crying sometimes because the, you know, some girls would be booing her and I'm sure they thought she was linked to Justin at that time. Um, so she didn't have a great experience the first part of the tour, but then all of a sudden that song just hit yeah. and oh, she yeah. was a superstar by the end of that tour. Yeah. I mean, it was so fun to watch. Um, Going back to that era, you know, when, when you met us, what did you, <laughs> what did you think 
when you like first saw us as a group? And how did you, I mean, obviously Lou, I think came to you uh, and said, No, hey, got, so okay, what yes, happened so was um, Jan Boltz, who was the president of BMG right. Music in Germany, mm-hmm. there was now gonna be a dissociation with Jive Records and BMG because they wanted to start their own distribution. So Jan came to me and he said, hey, if you have any more artists that you think are good that could work in Germany, in Florida, let me know. So I kept hearing while I was there with the Backstreet Boys that Lou had another group. Mm-hmm. So I called Lou and I said, do you have another group? Ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> but this guy, Chris, who, Chris Kilpatrick, you know, he tried out for Backstreet Boys and he just didn't like the vibe. So he started his own group. And he so never I, tried out for Backstreet Boys because Howie didn't tell him. <laughs> See, <laughs> oh, yes. on the show. I got, this was another scoop. I'm like, oh, I never knew that. I guess Howie <laughs> would be in the middle of Chris and some other guy. Yes. And so they found out about the Backstreet audition, how he's gonna do it. And he had to decide which one to like tell oh. about it. And so he told the other guy, not Chris. Uh, <laughs> I know. And then yeah. like he was in the group and uh-huh. then he was, I forgot he was eating at some restaurant like Chili's or uh-huh. whatever. And uh, Chris was his then waiter. Uh-huh. And he was like, oh, hey man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was Lou's way of saying, yeah, you know, I'm trying to mentor and help Chris out. So mm-hmm. I said to Lou, I said, well, look, if you can find this band, I think I can get him a record deal. So within an hour and a half, he had me on the phone with Justin's parents. Mm-hmm. I found them. Mm-hmm. I found him. And so this whole thing was set up to come. Jan Boltzen, a couple other people were going to come from Germany to watch you guys. In you that know, hot, hot ass yeah. warehouse. Yes. And I had, again, I had only seen a picture. And the other thing was the video that got sent to me was you guys doing a song called Tell Me That I'm Dreaming. Mm-hmm. And that was a song the Backstreet Boys had done. Oh, really? Yeah, so what I said to Lou, I was like, why are they doing Backstreet Boys record? And this is a song that Lou wrote. Mm. So he but was But did like, he really write it? Well, we don't, the jury's still Because I just had Robbie Williams on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had Robbie and Gary Barlow on, and I remember that first demo tape, uh, Lou wrote a song called uh, I Want You Back For More, or something? Something right. like that. Yeah, yeah. and it was it was the take, a take that song that he just, uh, rewrote. I know. <laughs> I did it. He well, yeah, like well, Gary Barlow wrote it. Yeah, yeah. Gary wrote it. Like, yeah, I wrote that one. <laughs> He's like, I wrote it. Uh-huh. Well, but Lou's odds uh, thing was, oh, the guys are just doing it as a as a tribute to Backstreet Boys because they're so impressed with their success that they had. They didn't even know who they were. <laughs> he told me. So then I fly in the day before you guys are supposed to meet Jan and the team, and I'm like, I hope these guys are good. I hope these guys are good. And I walk in, and you and uh, Justin were the first ones that came up to me and greeted me, and so I'm sitting there and I'm watching the rehearsal and I go, wow, this can't be, right? This is crazy. And so then Jan and those guys came and the rest is history. Yeah. Know? I remember that day vividly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just, it was so hot. I remember this, the the blimp warehouse, whatever. Yeah. I mean, 110 degrees rehearsing. We had been together for just a few months at that point. So we still were figuring out what we sounded like. I mean, we, di- we didn't know. And we tried getting a record deal in America, no one would sign us because they're like, yeah, not gonna work here. Uh, and then, yeah, you came in, introduced us to Jan Boltz and BMG Ariola. Mm-hmm. Jan comes in, um, sees us, looks at me and says, yeah, not with that kid though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, I'll sign him, but you gotta kick Lance out of the group. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. That was, there was two conditions of that. You had to go oh. and we had to change the name because he said the you know people of Germany wouldn't be able to pronounce it. Uh-huh. And we were like, well, first of all, once they get it, they'll never forget it. So we're not changing. And Lance appeals to the sensitive girl. Each one of the guys right. has a different. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, girl, okay. let's just be friends. <laughs> exactly. Okay, the gay one. Yeah. Uh, well, no, but let me tell you that I had absolutely no clue, clue at that point in time that that was where you were. Yeah. In fact, 
I'll be tr- truly honest. I never knew until you did the People magazine. Really? Yeah. Th- y'all didn't assume? The only time that it it registered somewhat to me mm. is we were in the dressing room and Chris said something. You guys kind of got into a little thing. Oh, yeah, you told me the story. said something to you about it. Yeah. And then I was like... It, it scared the crap. It was, it's going to yeah. be me video. Yeah. And we were, yeah, in the dressing room and it was the first time anyone had just looked at me like, are you gay? And I was <laughs> I like, like oh, it's classic Chris. Chris. Hey, hey man, are you gay? <laughs> I mean, I yeah. wish, I mean, I wish I could go back to that moment and be like, yes, you know, just like yeah. see what would have happened. I, I mean, I don't know, but it was, it was scary. Like you felt like of course your life would be in danger if anyone found out this secret. Yeah. It was, yeah. What but a then again, you were dating the hottest girl on ABC. So it was like, <laughs> you know, how could that be? You know, I mean, look, if, if I could fall in love with a woman, it would have been her <laughs> yeah. for sure. Danielle, Danielle was like yeah. the one. And I, I thought, I thought that's what love was. Like I felt in love with her, right. but I had never really been truly in love to know what that felt like. Cause I was so young. Uh, but I really did think that, you know, this is one I can, you know, I'm, I always knew I'd had to hide it. I would never act on it. You know, you always teach, you know, treat your, you know, you know, try to get, trick your brain into thinking that I will never act on it. You know, um, we but had no, me I did. <laughs> yeah, me yeah, good and I never went back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was God's little joke to, uh, put me in a band that's 99% women fans right it's like, well at least it was safe I wasn't, yeah right I wasn't at least you weren't distracted accidental pregnant pregnancy yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah hey la lance bass here with the latest in the city of angels from epic shopping to non-stop pride <laughs> events discover la.com is your gateway to everything la from walk-up windows and rooftop bars to year-round alfresco dining, Los Angeles is a culinary thrill ride sure to leave visitors hungry for more. From tacos to sushi, we truly have some of the best restaurants. After you get a bite to eat, get a taste for fame firsthand by attending a star ceremony on Hollywood Boulevard or glyphs behind the scenes at World Famous Studio Tour. Stop and see a movie at the iconic El Capitan Theater and check out the stairs outside the Dolby Theater where all the stars walk before the Oscars. Take a hike at Glamorous Griffith or stop for a boba or a draft cold brew at an outdoor cafe perfect for people watching. There are endless amounts of outdoor activities in L.A. with our beautiful weather. And, of course, Pride is celebrated every day in Los Angeles. Everyone is welcome to experience our sparkling nightlife, indulgent spas, and sensational shopping. Plan your weekend at discoverla.com. It's time to leave your mark in the City of Angels. Lance Bass, signing off. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is it, your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I don't even know if I told you this story, but when you were with New Kids, do you remember doing the stadium in Jackson, Mississippi? No. You don't? Okay, no. so we, there was a, y'all did a stadium tour. Oh my God, that would have been 93 or 90. Magic Summer Tour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because maybe Perfect Gentleman opened up. Or oh something? yeah, okay. Yeah. And yeah, Rick yeah. West was he on the show? The I guy that so. looked like Elvis, the young yeah, Elvis. I think with, so. Yeah. 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 Well, I camped out for tickets with my sister, um, and somehow still got nosebleed back row <laughs> seats. I had to use binoculars this whole time. But looking back at that, the amount of people that would be working on our team that was on that stage. Right. I mean, I think there was. I mean, even I think Ibrahim might have been on that, and Ibrahim and just Tim all kinds Miller of fun people. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. That's just that's yeah. such a full circle yeah. <laughs> moment for me. Like, oh my god, I can't believe I was at the back of that stadium, you know, not knowing that this would be my world at wow. some point. It was crazy. Wow. Um, when New Kids started to fade, because I mean, music was weird at that time. I mean, pop was looked at as just kids music at that point and grunge was coming in hip hop was just exploding at that time. Um, did you see the writing on the wall at the end of new kids? Like you, did you know that that was going to eventually end and, and what did you think you were going to parlay into if that were to happen? No, as kind of one of the visionaries behind it. You just, again, our role hadn't stopped mm-hmm. for me. Music was changing. Radio was playing something different but the fans were still coming out to the shows. Mm-hmm. So as long as they wanted to support the group, you know, I was like, okay, we can ride this out. I think it was um, NWA came, Donnie got really into that group, you know, mm-hmm. and that's when he said to us, guys, I don't know where this, where we fit in this anymore. But the, I think that the one thing that caused them to take a break, and they did this on their own, it wasn't a situation where the world said, hey, we had enough of you. They got tired of seeing all the merch, there were new kids on a block, toilet paper and I mean, marbles and yeah. stuff like that. New rolling. Kids, I mean, they took yeah. merch to a different level. It was, I remember my the cousin huge the, buttons. in the yeah. bedspread. My, <laughs> yeah. my cousin had of like them all over her bed. Yeah. I remember I was so young and I had no idea who they are, but I'm like, wow, these guys are all over your room. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And you could relate to this. You know, when you're on a roll, us mean managers, we just want to keep pushing it. Mm-hmm. So you're having all this success and you're making money. In that case, they were um, making money. And it's like, when do I have a chance to enjoy it? I'm just getting older and older and older. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, we want to take a year, year and a half off and let's just see where things are. So at that point for me, I, w- I was out of a job, you know, and um, Dick Scott, who actually was the official manager for the band, 
he said to me, he said, I have this other act that's in Europe. He said, they're called Snap. He goes, if you want to keep working, I'll send you out. They need a tour manager. And I said, well, what happened to their tour manager? And they were like, well, the lead singer, Turbo, put him in a hospital in Italy. So he's going to be there for eight weeks. Okay. All right. <laughs> but I was like, at first I thought he was joking. I was like, can't uh, be that bad. So I fly to London. because snap is, we got the power. We got the, I got the uh, power and rhythm is a dancer. Rhythm is a dancer. I mean, yeah. that. That is so Florida it's, 90s. No, it's like so Orlando. <laughs> it was, just that yes. era of that, you know. Well, Miami where I'm boosh. from. Yeah. It was so snap. Miami. Uh, so, yes. Uh-huh. It's all that was on the radio. Growing. Pump up the jam. Yeah. Pump it up. Yeah. Yep, all that. So. <laughs> So anyways, I connected with him and first time I met Turbo, you know, he came into this little lounge area in a hotel and he's like this 300 pound massive figure and he was wearing a leather jacket with tassels and he just kind of had that menacing look on me. And the guy, Gary Carolla, who was his music director, said to me, hey, don't don't let Turbo see that you're scared or he's going gonna to try to get you. So he stepped up to me and he goes, are you my next victim? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I said, no, you don't know who I am. I, you'll probably be my next victim. Uh, you know? Nice. And he looked at me and he goes, I like this MF. This guy's pretty cool. <laughs> and from that point on, we had a great relationship. Mm-hmm. And then I got to travel. I mean, we went from everywhere from a lot, you know, Israel to Lagos, Nigeria, Africa. And I just saw the world and the fans and the touring and experienced all that. So mm-hmm. it was great by the time we got to Backstreet Boys and, and you guys in sync mm-hmm. that knowing all that market yeah. in Germany was the biggest market. Yeah. How did, I mean, so you were introduced to like the German market through Snap. Snap yes. Um, and is that how you met Jan Boltz and all of BMG Areola? No, actually, um, I met Berna Lindinger from Hand in Hand, who was the promoter. So Berna promoted all the Snap shows. Mm-hmm. So we were connected there. Because Jive on the Backstreet Boys first single, it didn't work in the United States. So I called Werner and I was like, look, can, boy bands were actually kind of big in Germany at the time. So I said, I need to get these guys over there and show the label that they can actually work, even though it might not be in the U.S., otherwise they might get dropped. So there was this big German band called, boy band called Cottony Act, and they lip synced. So Vernon was like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll put him on a couple of shows, talk to the manager. The manager was like, yeah, I want these American boys on my show so I, we can show the German fans that we're superior over them. So Backstreet Boys show up, and of course, they wanted to run out on stage and start dancing in high energy, and I said, no, they lip sync. You guys sing for real. Walk out on stage and sing Shy, mm-hmm. if I ever. <laughs> exactly. So they did that, and you watch 14,000 people just mouths drop, what, what? Mm-hmm. And then from there, go into your show. So we were on tour for about two weeks with them, and we got kicked off because the manager, we were starting to build and take their audience. It was like the Tiffany New Kids situation. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So then DJ Bobo came DJ in. DJ <laughs> Bobo, our very first tour. Yeah, he came in and said, I'll take the guys. and the record started happening and then the rest is kind of history. They, they blew up in Germany and then you guys came over and uh, it's so interesting because there was no social media, but yet the fans put themselves in a place where they had to take a side Mm -hmm. and you know, you guys had the first two singles that instantly exploded. Um, So there was this rivalry, but nobody really knew where it came from. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so to kind of squash that, that's when Verna had Hand in Hand for Children, which was his charity. And we said, let's do a basketball game. Mm-hmm. And we were going to put all the hats, because all the musicians from Germany were starting to get into basketball and they wanted to play. 
So our thought was, okay, when the teams are picked, they'll be mixed. So half of NSYNC will be on BSB and the other way around. And it, when it's done... Didn't work out that <laughs> didn't way. Didn't work out that way. <laughs> it was four Backstreet guys, four NSYNC guys. And I think you were on the I was on the Backstreet, Backstreet team. Boys and, and AJ was it on. It was one of my favorite days ever because, you know, at the beginning of our career, we were the redheaded stepchild. Um, you know, we were, we were not the boys. And the way that we were treated compared to what, how they were treated night and day so as a backstreet boy for the day it felt great <laughs> i'm like oh my god this is what it's like to have attention yeah uh, but yeah it was it was great and that's what eventually led to our challenge for the children exactly uh, event that we would do which i loved that weekend that was such a fun weekend for people that don't know that it, we put on a basketball game mm-hmm. which i hate basketball but <laughs> we did it anyway and uh, and we so did other funny. events too we like i don't know we would do some kind of like relay race stuff yeah. I don't know. uh but we would take over vegas or miami and it was so great and just a hodgepodge yeah. of celebrities <laughs> sure and, yeah. yeah we you know, brian mcknight everybody mm-hmm. came yeah. to play and a lot of athletes yeah this is one thing i'd thought was so interesting was the athletes really liked us <laughs> well if you remember correctly for our, the NSYNC team mm-hmm. Kobe mm-hmm. was the coach yes right yeah you mm-hmm. know yeah. so that was interesting yeah, we had Kobe as a coach <laughs> you know that, that guy you were on the Backstreet Board team Huh? No, 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 that's right. That's right. You, no, 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 this, no. Is, this, this is years later. later. Years I was later. like, oh, just want to claim that. No, I don't think Backstreet ever played in our challenge. For no, the they didn't. But <laughs> in the challenge for the, in the one in Germany, the head referee was um, Dennis Rodman. Remember oh that? God, I don't even remember that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. I run into him a good bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, he was I mean, on our old nice radio show. Yeah. Oh that? yeah. That was a, a wild. <laughs> he's a he's a hard interview, but it's always interesting. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting. So then, you know, the Spice Girls and Hanson exploded on U.S. radio. Huge. And so it was like, okay, guys, it's time to go home. How did y'all know? Because, of course, Lou's telling us, you know, because we knew being the first out in America, the only the first band out in America is going to win. The rest, no one like America is not going to accept two boy bands like Europe does. I mean, Europe had 500. Um, So. Lou would always tell us, well, you know, we're going to release you guys first. You know, Backstreet got Europe first. Well, you're going to have America first. We're like, yes, like we need (laughs) this has to happen. This is the only way that we'll be ever be able to catch the Backstreet Boys. That didn't happen at all. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. And I can only imagine what the Backstreet Boys are thinking during all of this, you know, our our rise. Um, Who took it the worst of the Backstreet Boys? Brian. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you can just and tell. I, you know, again, yeah. like, you know, I'm not telling stories out of stories, but mm-hmm. I think I had a lot to do with them being upset mm-hmm. because they felt it was a betrayal that I was now working with both of you. Yeah. The lieu of it, they didn't really think about it that much. But, and I'll tell the story. Um, so with the Backstreet Boys, I used to tell the story to Brian. I said, when we were, I was out with new kids, Donnie and I used to go in the back of the bus and listen to Albie Shore. And that was our bond. So I'm sitting in the back of the bus one time and Brian says, guess what? And I said, what? And he goes, I got Albie Shore straight, but I want to have that relationship with you. Oh, wow. So we did that and that was our thing. So then when you guys came along, I think Brian got it in his head that I was abandoning that relationship with him mm-hmm. and giving it to Justin. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like, okay, you know, 
he's forgotten about me for the most part, but us, and he's more paying more attention to you guys in sync. But as you remember, Doug Brown and Ibrahim were more out with you guys at the early stages yeah. of that before you guys actually came into the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that he was the one that kind of, you know, he just felt like, you know, we were just duplicating them and it was all about a money play. And mm-hmm. so it, it really changed the focus of that yeah. whole relationship. And I always saw it as what I was hoping was that y'all were creating this new Motown in Orlando where all these artists could like work together and have fun. And, you know, there's four other bands, you know, but it, it did not turn out that way. <laughs> well, that that was the idea that Lou and I talked about. Yeah. But again, when Barry Gordy had the Temptations and the Four Tops and everybody else, he created a family environment. Mm-hmm. So he nourished the fact that everybody should go even sing on other songs and go on tours yeah. together. The Motown Review is one of the, the biggest ways to take a look at that. But I think, and again, not talking out of school because he's not here, but for some reason, Lou wanted to a divide in you guys. Yeah. So that was a plan. See, I always thought it might be just an accident that he stumbled upon. No. I didn't know if it was like, okay, I'm going to make sure that the rivalry is there. So the fans, you know, no, it wasn't, yeah. again, I never had any conversation like that. Mm-hmm. The thing that we thought about though, was, is that look, NSYNC is out there. Someone's going to sign them. So we might as well sign them so we can control how that rivalry would take place if there was to be one so that you guys couldn't get ahead of them. Mm-hmm. We could kind of like move you at the same time, but have them come up. And then when they were coming down, you would come up. So that was really what was discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, the Battery Boys changed that, you know, when they were scheduled to do the Walt Disney World music special right. for, mm-hmm. for Disney Channel. And they had just finished doing the Rolling Stone thing came out and they were on the cover of Rolling Stone. And their attitude at that point was just like, why are we doing Disney? You know, we're on the cover of Rolling Stone. We're in a different world right now. So get us out of this show at Disney. Wow. So they wanted out of it because they didn't want that younger market? Well, they just, they just felt like they were on a different level mm-hmm. at that point. See, and I always it, heard it's because Brian had to have surgery or something. I was always, I, I think, think AJ well, is the one who told me that. He's like, oh yeah, Brian had to have surgery or something. Or I don't, or maybe that was a Super Bowl. I forget. I don't know. They, all the stories. He did have tumbled. the surgery and that did shut them down for a mm-hmm. while. But the real of it was, is that with Entertainment Weekly and Rolling Stone and Billboard Magazine all doing big stories mm-hmm. on the guys, they feel, well, why are we doing Disney? That's yeah. a kid's channel. Yeah. Because all you wanted to do was be respected and right. look like an adult. And yeah, exactly. be on the cover of Rolling Stone, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's a get. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone just dreams of that moment. So yeah, going back to Disney would feel like a step back. And I had always said to them when they finally found out that we were managing both acts that I would never pit them and mm-hmm. you guys together. Mm-hmm. So when we had to pull them out of the Disney special, um, I never went to them and said, hey, I have another band because I promised BSB I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. It happened to be Elaine Shook who was working for us at the time at uh, RCA Records who was friends with the girl that was promoting the show. And she said, we have a boy band that could fit right in for this situation. And so I was like, ah, oh, good. It wasn't me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's legal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So obviously, so 
I'll never forget on the rehearsal night before the actual shooting, I came in and I won't mention her name, but the lady that was in charge of Disney, she looked at me and she goes, what are you doing here? And I said, well, this is my band too. And she goes, well, if I would have known that, I would have never hired them. They better be good. Whoa. So, wow. Yeah. Miss so Disney. we went out and we did the show and obviously, you know what happened. Like you guys killed it. I mean, it, it started it all for us. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. thing, we had no idea how big it would become because of that special and they aired it every day for yeah. two months so you really got to know us it wasn't just a concert but there was personal interviews and you got to know each individual guy so when you watch that show right. you're invested yep. uh and it was just the perfect timing i guess that was it and then you guys were in 66 on the charts and went to 44 to 24 to 12 backstreet boys were sitting at number four mm. and then you jumped them and went number two. We can never get that number one spot with that first album. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Well, yeah. you sold 15 million copies, so you should be happy. Yeah, you did pretty okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what a time. I mean, looking at that era in music compared to now, it's so different. I don't know if it's because of my age, but I think it was the last great era of music, that late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And especially in this business, which is hellish at times. Uh, but now... The way you promote, the way you release your music on all these different platforms, how do you navigate that today with your artists? Because it's just not the whole, you have to go to every single radio station and tour it for like two years to get your your music played. You just basically release a press release on your Twitter. It's like, and here it is. Yeah, well, that's even difficult because, you know, it's funny. Well, first of all, you find out now that everyone feels it's so easy to be a star. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, everyone feels like everyone's yeah. got 15 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing with dealing with new artists now is if they get a million followers, they think they've made it. Yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. Sunglass Company or this one pays them $25,000, dollars to exactly. do a post. So in their mind, they've made it. But then you put them in a house of blues with a thousand seats and they sell 75 tickets. Yeah. You know, so that there's a disconnect between yeah. your social media following and really people that engage with I, you. I found that oh, yeah, in television too. It's yeah. like all these TikTok stars and YouTube stars, they were giving them everyone deals and, and shows. Just and because shows. of the following. Exactly. Right? And but it, none of them worked because right. it just, they didn't know how to, you know, parlay it, into well, television. Yeah. It's actually a skill. Like you yeah. need to actually, should actually yeah. be good. I mean, when they like hired, you know, like no shade against her, Chloe Kardashian to host X oh, Factor. Exactly. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. like, yeah, she's a big following, but what is she doing hosting mm -hmm. X Factor? Like it just didn't compute. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah there, there is a disconnect. Yeah. And so that's where it's tough. And unfortunately for me too, with radio, which was the big factor to me, it was always the place of discovery. You hear something on radio and you go to a record store to buy it. The DSPs, the streaming services, to me, are the new record stores. But to get a record successfully moved into radio right now, the first thing they're going to ask is like, well, how many streams are you doing? Mm -hmm. So it's like, so how do you get? And for the most part, if you're not streaming 4 million streams a week on the kickoff of your record, you're not getting on big stations and radio mm -hmm. and it's going to be hard for you to build momentum. Mm -hmm. And so this is the conversation you're having now with these social media kids that are, want to be in music. It's like you kind of have to take a step back and go to old school. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, now you have to go from city to city, town to town. You have to play three or 400 seats mm -hmm. if you can still sell them. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter you have three or four, five million. You still have to get those kids to want to take money out. And I did one of these teen tours with, with social media kids. And the interesting thing was 
I sold a whole lot of VIP upgrades where they got to meet the group and they would go in and take the picture but wouldn't stay for the show. Hmm. Wow. So their real interest was just being able to take a picture so they could put it on, on their, their Instagram exactly. so to build their own numbers. Wow. So uh, that's where we are in the social media mm -hmm. thing. Everybody wants that edge to be their own successful style. That's why TikTok is so big. Yeah. You know? How important is radio now? Because a lot of songs, you know, start on TikTok, they blow up and then they hit the radio. But how, yeah, how powerful is radio these days? Well, that's a debate between everybody. But for me, radio is still a justifier that you're not just a social media artist, that yeah. you're an actual mm -hmm. artist. And if you look, and again, if this means anything to you, if you take a look at the big shows, American Music Awards or the Grammys, there hardly anybody on those stages performing that didn't have a big radio hit that mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. So for me, there's still a justification that radio certifies the fact that you're a real artist. Yeah. Um, so I, again, I still believe that that's an important mm -hmm. factor to what we need to do. What's an artist right now that's just doing it right? Like a, a new Taylor one. Swift. I mean, it's hard to be superstars these days because they're, you know, it's definitely yeah, watered down. It's so but diluted. Yeah. You do. You will always have people like Taylor Swift. That or Beyonce, will just be who are Beyonce. just on the next level. I uh, mean, and I, I really want to see her tour. I feel like I'm the only person that's not seeing the tour. Right. <laughs> Both of those tours. Yeah. I but know. she's one of the artists that started off where radio and MTV were important but understood the transition to social media and how that works and mm -hmm. staying engaged with your fans. And, you know, so, and she tells great stories because her life creates these moments where people want to find out, hey, what happened in that relationship? What happened in this? Mm -hmm. And she does a great job of telling that, but she also stays connected. And um, I think that's the thing nowadays. And for any artists that are coming back from the era of MTV and radio, you have to look at that and say, look, you know, the things you might not have done then, you have to think about doing now. Yeah. And uh, social media is super important. I don't think everyone has to get on TikTok and dance, mm -hmm. but how do you use that platform and find something creative to do that cuts through and it's unique to what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love TikTok because it really is kind of so intimate with the fans and mm -hmm. you really get to show your personality right. of any social media platform. That one really shows who you truly are. Um, let's talk about some of your acts because I want to know how you met the yeah. Jonas Brothers because I remember meeting them in your office when they were two years old uh, <laughs> they were just like stone diapers. Uh, very young uh but how did how did the jonas brothers so come to um at the time i had an assistant philly mac mm -hmm. from mcintyre and uh he knew that i wanted to get into contemporary christian and gospel music mm. so nick jonas was signed to uh, a label called word which was a sony music label this was christian. the purity ring days yeah yes. well it's oh, before, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so they were doing uh he was doing christian music so he had to perform or do a show, CBS Morning Show, at 5.30 in the morning. So Phil's like, yeah, you should go see him. You know, maybe this is someone that you can manage. So I was like, 5.30 in the morning, really? Hmm. But I went and I did it. And when I saw him, his brothers were his backup band. So Steve, um, his name? Uh, Steve who had Hanson uh, Greenberg, took over Columbia Records. And he called me and he said, Johnny, I have this kid, Nick Jonas. Christian kid, he goes, is there any reason why I should keep him on the label? And I said, well, if you're going to drop that whole Christian thing, you should see him because he performs with his brothers. And if he wants to actually turn this thing into a group, this could be the second coming of Hanson yeah. for you. Mm -hmm. So we went and we had a conversation with Nick and the, and the father and 
They were like, yeah, we do it. And the caveat Nick was is that at some point, if this is successful, I get to go solo again. So we all agreed and they got signed and, you know, Steve got blown out, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And so the band sat there for a while. And then I went in and I said, look, you got to let these guys go. We, we left and we went to Hollywood Records with the synergy that everything that Disney had happening. And they ended up getting guest spots on not um, uh, Miley Cyrus's show, Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that kind of launched them into that world. And then they ended up doing some dates with Taylor and the rest became history. But mm-hmm. I met them, you know, when Nick was trying to do a solo thing in a Christian world. Yeah. I mean, and there's, I mean, they're, I love their latest comeback. I mean, it mm-hmm. really, it's, yeah, it's, it's been great. They knew exactly how to do the social media, oh, yeah. but still make it look authentic and cool. Um, it's, they still seem like a young band, although they're not much younger than us. Okay? <laughs> Five uh, albums. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but I mean, they really have surpassed the test of time uh, and their music, I think evolves and, and gets great. So hopefully we'll have those guys on this show at yeah. some point. <laughs> Lance Bass here with the latest in the City of Angels. From epic shopping to nonstop pride events, discoverla.com is your gateway to everything L.A. From walk-up windows and rooftop bars to year-round alfresco dining, Los Angeles is a culinary thrill ride sure to leave visitors hungry for more. From tacos to sushi, we truly have some of the best restaurants. After you get a bite to eat, get a taste for fame firsthand by attending a star ceremony on Hollywood Boulevard or glyphs behind the scenes at world-famous studio tour. Stop and see a movie at the iconic El Capitan Theater and check out the stairs outside the Dolby Theater where all the stars walk before the Oscars. Take a hike at Glamorous Griffith or stop for a boba or a draft cold brew at an outdoor cafe perfect for people watching. There are endless amounts of outdoor activities in L.A. with our beautiful weather. And, of course, Pride is celebrated every day in Los Angeles. Everyone is welcome to experience our sparkling nightlife, indulgent spas, and sensational shopping. Plan your weekend at discoverla.com. It's time to leave your mark in the City of Angels. Lance Bass, signing off. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Tell us a little bit about Aaron Carter. Uh, how did oh. y'all meet? Because he must have been seven when you guys met. He was nine when I met him. And uh, they, Lou had a party for AJ, which is his birthday at his house. And the doorbell rang. And I happened to be standing there at the doorbell. So I opened the door and Jane and Aaron are standing there. And Aaron was in a three-piece suit. This little nine-year-old all dressed <laughs> up. And I was like, who's this cool kid? And he goes, hi, I'm Aaron. And so if you remember Luce, that his old house, you walk straight through the front door right and through the, the formal straight to the pool. So I watched him. He walked through. He went to the pool and jumped in. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he did that, I was like, I like this kid. He's cool. So Backstreet was scheduled to play Germany all summer. And I knew what the relationship between Nick and Aaron was. And Aaron was kind of upset because he wasn't going to see Nick for the summer. So I went to Gary Carolla, one of my producers, and I said, can Aaron sing? And he goes, I don't know, let's test him. So we did some tests on him. He said, the kid's got a pretty good voice. He goes, what are you thinking? And I said, I always want to recreate this song by the Jets called Crush On You. Mm-hmm. I said, so cut this record and see what we get. So they did, and I was amazed by it. So I said to Jane, let me go and talk, because at that time, Werner was the producer, uh, promoter in Germany. I called Werner, and I said, look, I need you to let Aaron open up for Backstreet Boys so Nick and Aaron can spend the summer together. He said, I don't have any money, but if you want to bring him out, so be it. So we did. Aaron put two uh, twin brothers behind him as the dancers. And the first shows with three sold-out nights in Berlin, the first show we introduced Aaron, 16,000 people lost their mind. And they did that the next three nights. And all of a sudden, we got four record offers for him. And we ended up signing him to a company in Germany called Edel, and they sold a million and a half records in 20 weeks. Yeah. So I remember, I don't know if, I don't know if I was talking to you or someone, but I just remember Aaron saying the only reason he got into music was because he liked the stuffed animals. Like he just wanted oh, yeah. the stuffed animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 That's all he wanted. They used to throw that in on the uh-huh. stages. Yeah. yeah. What, what so. is that? Okay. So Germany is the only country that I remember they just throw tons of stuffed animals at you your whole show by the end of the well, show there's fun. hundreds yeah. of stuffed animals which can get dangerous yeah. by the way uh but no other country did that germany has yeah that with that but in uh when we had the jonas brothers in russia i don't know where they got this from but there's a lyric in one of their songs that talk about planes mm-hmm. and all of a sudden when they started doing this song hundreds of people at paper airplanes started flying on stage. How fun. <laughs> We're like, this That's is kind of cool. crazy. I love that. Yeah. Why didn't we ever go to Australia? That was one place we'd never really touched. And I know our album went number one there, but we just never went over there. The, the, the money was too good and the cost to, for us to actually bring the all the stage and equipment to, mm-hmm. to Australia was huge. So when we took a look at it from a business perspective, 
We just didn't do it. Yeah, once we came to America, we it's like we never left the country. It was yeah. it's such a big territory mm-hmm. that yeah. you're caught. And again, back in the day, you had to go to every radio station. You had to, you know, every little city you were there. So yeah, twenty four seven, you're just traveling, and it took you. And then by the time you do everything, you have to do it all over again because you have a new album to promote. And it moved so quickly from doing arenas. Then we stepped up and we did the stadiums. Mm-hmm. So it, and one thing I love about your management style is you're so creative and it was so fun to when we just got in your office like okay new tour what's going to go on okay what songs we want to play what can we do and just everyone spitting out all these ideas and especially when we got to the stadium tour (laughs) you know all the bells and whistles which if i Hindsight, I'm like, why do we spend that much on that? Uh, I said that to you. I, I know, but we're <laughs> 250000 a piece for these mechanical bulls. Do we really want to do that? I know. It's where is it? Where is your bull? Um, I donated it to a bar in Texas. <laughs> really? You didn't <laughs> and even I saw keep your bull. Chris's is in the Hard Rock. <laughs> oh, yeah, we saw his. Yeah. Uh, in, in storage. In storage, yeah. Uh, but in yeah. Fort Lauderdale. It was, you know, we were stupid kids. But we also thought, you know, when you're... When you're that big, you never think it's going to end. Right. Like you never, you're just like, well, of course we're going to have five of these tours, right? So fine. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that, okay, things could be a little finite. Uh, but but you, know, you gave you every bell and whistle for that tour, and it was fun from the big wheels yeah. to the you know the the, the, the walkways that mm-hmm. moved and stuff like that. And if anyone epic. goes back and watch that show, it's epic. Yeah, and so. and you know we grew up on Janet and Michael and Madonna. Right. Like those are the shows that we idolized and we wanted to give the fans that because when i go to a show you better entertain me right. like i kind of get bored at shows sometimes but yeah. i need a broadway you know, <laughs> like style show uh to keep me entertained so yeah we that's what we wanted to give you and i think we did you did i think we did um i love that i hadn't even stuck to one question on there. <laughs> i'm still at question number one that's how you know it's a good interview <laughs> so uh for people that don't know, what are the responsibilities and role of a manager of the band? Like, what does your day-to-day look like? It depends. It, it's different for every artist, but mm-hmm. I, I say I'm like a traffic cop. Mm-hmm. So I direct traffic around the band or artist. And it could be, you know, there was an artist that didn't, didn't get his grass cut or his car washed unless I scheduled that and made mm-hmm. sure that people did it. Obviously, we we talk to the record companies and make sure that we have an understanding of what the release dates are, the marketing, who's going to shoot the video, what the cost of those videos are. Come back at your creative ideas and and then fight with the label if necessary mm-hmm. on your behalf to make sure certain things are done. Once the records are done and we're ready to put them out, then it's the conversations with radio to make sure that we can get the spins. And back then in your time, MTV to figure out. The ultimate goal was the MTV Music Awards to make sure that we're pushing those videos so that you guys can be nominated and have an opportunity, find sponsors mm-hmm. to help pay for a lot of these things that we're doing, especially chilies. Yeah, you know, <laughs> some of the ideas for the videos that, like, you know, what was it? Um, uh, which one? The car one with the train. Um, Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't realize that was $2.7 million. I know. And wow. people would, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. insane. Like yeah. the average would be like a million dollars a video. Yeah, yeah that's so, crazy. I mean, and again, I look back like, because that, you know, we paid for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's when we learned the word recoupable. Recoupable. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. took me a while to know what that meant. Yeah. Um, in negotiating, because you're such a calm person, <laughs> do you ever get upset and yell? I, I think if you push the right button, I will. Yeah. But 
back in the snap days, mm. I was that way because Turbo was that way. So I mimicked him. So every time I did business for him, I was the screamer. And I'll never forget, we agreed to do a radio show in New York. And I wasn't thinking about the fact that if I do that radio station, then I'm going to, you know, get another radio station mad. So the radio person from Arista Records called me and he goes, how dare you, you know, book that show without talking to me. And he started screaming at me. And when I hung up the phone, I was like, I didn't like that. Mm. And so I was like, you know what? That's what I do to other people. And so at that moment, I said, I'm just going to find a different way mm -hmm. to talk to people. Mm -hmm. And I did. And that's what it became because it came back at me, Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. And when he did that to me, I didn't care. I still went ahead and did the show. So his screaming at me didn't change. Right. If he had talked to me, yeah. we would have done something yeah. different. You know, be that easy. <laughs> yeah, so. um, this is a story I don't know. The Velvet Rope Tour with Janet Jackson was our first tour to open up for in America before the Disney special, I think. Yeah. Or somewhere around right, there. Right around yeah. there. Yeah. And I think it was Usher that had to leave the tour mm -hmm. and we replaced. How did that all go down? Like, how did we get that offer? She was, she had 10 days that um, Usher couldn't do. Mm. It actually came from David Zedek. Okay. Who was our oh, agent. Tournament. Yeah. You know, and yeah. one thing I love about David, you know, as you know, he's, some agents just say, here's an, uh, you know, do you want to do it? This is what the money is. Let me connect, connect my commission david was always a thinker with us like what can we do to enhance this and that yeah so he said hey and it was kind of a joke he was like yeah janet needs someone for 10 days you know will in sync do it and we kind of laughed and then we were like janet has a whole different audience mm -hmm. and this was you know for me i was always trying to find ways to really elevate you guys in different audiences to make sure that what you guys were were real so the discussion started with MTV about you guys doing That's the Way Love Goes for mm -hmm. the award things that she said. So I was like, yeah, two and two will work. So we'll end up doing these 10 dates. Then when you guys actually do that, that moment for her, for mm -hmm. icons, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, icon, Janet. You know, I said it all connects together. And it was a beautiful thing. And the interesting thing was is that the merchandisers told us that you sold more merch on her tour than she did. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. So that was when we, and, and as you talk about the, the gatekeepers and the cred people in the industry, you guys got a lot of credibility, not only for doing that tour, because people were showing up, you know, the hip hop and R&B community mm -hmm. for those shows and seeing you and going like, wow, those, those, those guys yeah. are really good. Janet made us cool. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember meeting her for the first time and she knew our names. And I'm like, oh. What? Like <laughs> Janet Jackson knows our names. Like I know the group, but like individually knows yeah. our names. Uh, just such, and it was such a good learning experience for me because we had been on tours before, but nothing like that. Yeah. And just to see how all that worked, I was so intrigued. And I watched every single show after we'd get off stage. I'd go right to the, you know the audience. I'd watch every single show. I was just fascinated with the way that she performed and the stage that she would build and that would eventually be how we would put on mm -hmm. a show. So yeah, she was a huge, and huge. Just influence. one other thing to that, that connection with her is what Michael saw, mm -hmm. which then wanted him, you guys yeah. to do the 30th anniversary special. Yeah. That he did. So, what whoa. a, what a yeah. show that yeah. 30, I mean, definitely one of the highlights of my life was being there. And unfortunately it was the week of nine 11. So right. it was just, it just kind of got erased, but that show, I've never seen so many artists come together 
Um, and I didn't even know half the people that were going to be there. That was when, you know, Whitney wasn't looking great. Right, I mean, yeah. that's, you know, she oh, was real yeah. skinny. I remember also who's the actor that sat in the chair and just yelled at everyone. Um, Wait, I don't remember this uh, part. Mar- Marlon Brando. Oh, no. Yeah. So Marlon, <laughs> I think it's just, he had kind of snapped at that point and he was just sitting in a chair and just started like yelling at the crowd, like, cause they were too loud or so. I don't know. It was, it was weird. A lot of weird moments there. Uh, Brittany doing that. Yeah. And Usher and my uh-huh. yeah. Like just iconic. And we did not know that Michael was going to perform. Like we were right. just all performing for him. And then he does a show and I'd never seen him live before. And now I get why people cry. Mm-hmm. It's just the weirdest thing. Like I got goosebumps and I teared up watching him perform. And I don't know why, <laughs> but now I, I got it. I got it. It was mm, what a time. What a time. <laughs> um, I do feel there's a lot of lessons that I think all of us in the entertainment industry has learned from people like Michael Jackson, MC Hammer, people that you know have gone through it. And I always call it the Michael Jackson syndrome for like kids where they don't mentally get past a certain age because everyone is mm. basically telling them, yes, 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 yes. And they have no reality anymore. Um, are there any artists that you've worked with that you also found that? There, there's just too many yeses around them and they just didn't know what reality was because I'd imagine Brittany was kind of like that way too because I don't think anyone was going to tell her no mm. especially her family yeah with Brittany it was interesting because she didn't dictate a lot of stuff she mm. listened she loved a lot of creative people that were around her and they bounced ideas back and forth um, you know I think it was a, the dream within a dream tour mm. uh, which is where Brittany started to to change a little bit about who she listened to and who she tried, I think became a trust factor. Mm-hmm. I think that was where Brittany started to think about, oh, am I just a product? Mm-hmm. Is everybody around me now just because they can get a paycheck from me? And are they not really into me for me? Mm-hmm. And I think that insecurity probably happens with a lot of artists, you know, and and so you you do things in a different way or you confide in certain people that might not have your best interest in heart who you really think, you know, they got my back. Mm -hmm. And when you really find out it's the circle of people that have been around you forever, they really have your back. And it's those that just came into the circle that are trying to find how they're going to use you for their Mm -hmm. next step up. Yeah. The last time I saw her, I don't even remember the date, but it was the first time that the Jonas Brothers actually went to the MTV Music Awards and they were like, God, Johnny, you know, Britney's sitting over there. And um, she was dating the guy that was an agent at that point. Oh, yeah, from Wayne Morris. Wayne Morris, yeah. yeah. So I was like, I'll introduce you. So I get them up to go walk over to her. And all of a sudden, (laughs) security, which wasn't the security that I put around her, Mm kind of circle of her. And then she looks at me and she goes, hey, hi, Johnny. And so I said, I just want to introduce you to these guys, their fans. And so she did. We hugged. And that was kind of it. So Well, we... Wish her well for sure. I know Absolutely. we, uh, yeah. um, she has reached out through her people wanting to come meet the kids and all that, you know, oh, but cool. like then it just, but then the, just go, the people know, then don't follow it. through and refuse to put you in contact. So yeah, it's like I have almost, to talk through people. It's very strange. I, yeah, and you know, I don't, you know, we're cousins. I, I told you, I found out we're cousins. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. yeah I fifth cousin. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We have fifth, sixth, 20th cousins. <laughs> yeah. Right? Fifth cousins. We share, we share a great, 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 great grandfather, Esau Bass. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she is a bass, uh, <laughs> which makes sense because we were born about 45 minutes from each other. So 
Wow. Everyone's related down in Mississippi. <laughs> well, I wish her nothing but the best. Yeah. I know there's all these rumors now that she's never going to tour again. I know. Yes. The rumors are just crazy yeah. at this point. Yeah. Like, but it's I like mean, you don't even know what to believe. I don't, yeah, well, I don't know what to believe because I just don't know how she is. I mean, so, I mean, maybe she is completely overperforming, but I just know how much she loves it. And I know she's a competitive person also. So, I, I mean, I just can't. I can't imagine her never performing again. Well, look, my thing was, and I think I said this to somebody about a year ago, I was like, when she did Lady Marmalade Mm -hmm. with Pink, Christina Aguilera, and I think um, Maya was a part Mm -hmm. of that situation, Mm -hmm. there's something there. Mm -hmm. You know, those ladies coming back together and and doing a series of shows, maybe it's Vegas, maybe it's something like that, but then the pressure is not on her entire shoulders right. to have to do a right. full show she can have fun with them she can get back up because once a performer as you know it's always in your blood yeah of so, course yeah. i mean she's been doing it since she was yeah. four years old how important was it back in the day for all of us artists to have that clean image was that some specifically that y'all made sure would happen and and behind the scenes maybe talking to magazines being like you're not printing that like did y'all have that power to tell oh yeah the media what to say yeah yeah because yeah uh, you know, the teen magazines, mm-hmm. Entertainment Weekly or any of those, they could say or do what they want. And that's why we were constantly negative on them because they were always having something negative mm-hmm. to say. Yeah. The clean cut image was not so much that we wanted you to be clean cut. We just wanted you not to be attached. Mm-hmm. So that was the whole real big thing about girlfriends to yeah. a certain point because we felt like if the fans who are going to be 99% female felt like you were involved mm-hmm. with somebody else, then they would move past you. Mm-hmm. We wanted you always to be obtainable. Yeah. You well, were probably like, thank God. I, I listened to you, Johnny. I listened. Oh, I, you made I him did gay. my part. Yeah, but you know what's funny? Like the mentality of teen girls now is not mm-hmm. like that. In fact, if you're attached, that just makes it a bigger challenge for them to pull that girl oh, away yeah, and become so closer to yeah. you, you know? Uh-huh. So. I mean, the fandoms are amazing out there. And, um, and you've seen so many different pockets of all these fans. What do you think, what's the most common denominator that these fan groups have for Incubus and NSYNC and Britney and Janet? You know, they're all diverse and different, but what is the one thing that they're just, they're, it's all the same? You're like, yep, every artist has that. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because I think that you they, they feel like, like the beehive. Mm-hmm. So if you're a fan of Beyonce and you feel you're a member of the beehive, you're part of a family. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to be part of a club. Yeah, the Swifties. So, and your artist is acknowledging, you know, these groups. So it's kind of like a love fest where they feel like, yeah, we're all in this together. We're part of the family. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, so it stays strong. And you watch artists that don't have that kind of, I don't know, you know, thing for their fans and they just put out music. The devotion is not as strong, Mm -hmm. you know, so... And I, again, like I say, a lot of it has to do with social media now because people are really getting inside the worlds and lives of these artists now. So if they like what they see, then they become a stronger bond. You know, mm-hmm. we live in that world of reality where if you're not giving good parts of you to the fans, they'll just move on to the next person. Yeah. And again, that's why I, I keep saying Taylor Swift is a genius. Uh-huh. She, she knows how to do it. Yeah. You know? For aspiring musicians listening right now, what advice would you give them in order to break it? Like, how, how do you break today? Do you, do you focus on social media first? Do you go, you know, 
go to all the radio stations and force them to listen to you like we did like back in the day? Like how, how would you suggest someone right now in this day and age to do that? Well, I think the first thing is what is success to you now? Mm-hmm. If yeah. you chase chart position, you're lost. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'll never forget when Justin had suit and tie out and Drake had the record that he had out. And my son was a big Drake fan. And we were on the iTunes charts and suit and tie went number one. And I went and kind of gloated to my son, ah, Drake's number two. And he said, ah, wait four hours, that's gonna change, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it did, within the course of the day, Drake came up and took the number one spot. But ultimately, it didn't mean anything where your chart position was, it's whether or not I like you and I like the mm-hmm. song. Yeah. So, so my advice to artists now is if you're chasing that thing where you have to be number one or you have to be on the charts, then you're already lost. Build a foundation of a fan base. I say this about the Backstreet Boys. They're probably having their biggest run on shows, arena shows across the mm-hmm. world in places they probably never played yeah, in their heyday. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with a record. It has to do with the fact that the fans remember, loved them, stayed connected to them, and understood that every time they stepped on that stage, they were going to have a moment that everybody could be a part of. Mm-hmm. And so that's my thing to an artist now. Don't worry about chart position, a song, I don't even look at singles anymore. It's to me is you put out music and you should be dropping music every four to six weeks so that people are constantly being bombarded with music from you mm-hmm. so that they can stay connected to you. Cause and that's you, very different from our, I mean, cause oh, it was yeah. such a formula of you release a single first, you wait yeah. a couple months to do the yeah. album with the second, you know, the second yeah. single and you've really had to spread them out. Uh, now. Yeah. It's now you can have six songs in the top 10. Mm-hmm. It's so unheard of back in the day. And for mm-hmm. that, you know, the the social, the DSPs, the Spotify's and, and Apple Music is about the algorithm. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get put in different kind of playlists, which decides, you know, how successful, how many people actually get to hear your records. So these algorithms are all based on, you know, consistency of music. So like you said, if you put a song out once every 90 days, there's no consistency. But if you're dropping music every four to six weeks, those algorithms are seeing that there's a consistency and maybe that first record or even the second record that you put out doesn't expand, but the third or fourth one all of, all of a sudden could be the big records. Yeah. And because you're not looking at them in singles as you're looking at them as music, it really doesn't matter. And the other thing is back in the day, if you put out an album and it went to Target or one of the music stores, it was there for 90 days if it didn't sell. It got put in the bargain bin, and after 30 days of that, it was gone. No one could buy it again. Mm-hmm. Once you put a song up on social, on the DSPs now, it's there for life. Yeah. So if your third song as a new artist is the one that actually blows you up, fans are gonna come back and listen to the first mm-hmm. and second one, and you're still gonna get success yeah. with those. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard conversation, actually, to have with artists from the 90s era because they're still thinking about it in the way that we released music in the past. Mm-hmm. Do people do album filler songs anymore? Is that even a thing? Well, there's no such thing really. I mean, there are certain artists like mm-hmm. Adele and a few people that put out albums, but it's all a playlist mm-hmm. because the home of all this music is on Spotify, Apple, and Tidal and those places. Mm-hmm. So what's a filler? I can skip. If you put 10 songs out as an album today, I might like track one and track four and track 10. I might not like the rest of it, so I don't have to listen to the whole thing. I can just skip around. Yeah. yeah. You know? 
Hey LA, Lance Bass here with the latest in the City of Angels. From epic shopping to nonstop pride events, discoverla.com is your gateway to everything LA. From walk-up windows and rooftop bars to year-round alfresco dining, Los Angeles is a culinary thrill ride sure to leave visitors hungry for more. From tacos to sushi, we truly have some of the best restaurants. After you get a bite to eat, get a taste for fame firsthand by attending a star ceremony on Hollywood Boulevard or glyphs behind the scenes at World Famous Studio Tour. Stop and see a movie at the iconic El Capitan Theater and check out the stairs outside the Dolby Theater where all the stars walk before the Oscars. Take a hike at Glamorous Griffith or stop for a boba or a draft cold brew at an outdoor cafe perfect for people watching. There are endless amounts of outdoor activities in L.A. with our beautiful weather. And, of course, Pride is celebrated every day in Los Angeles. Everyone is welcome to experience our sparkling nightlife, indulgent spas, and sensational shopping. Plan your weekend at discoverla.com. It's time to leave your mark in the City of Angels. Lance Bass, signing off. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Why the hell did the Grammys never give us one? (laughs) We performed at that damn show, I don't know how many times, nominated eight, nine times, those little biatches would never uh-huh. give us one. Always the bride. And now today they would like, okay, give it to the young ones now. Well, I think that, you know, as you explore the Grammy situation over the years, cause you really never understand truly how the nomination factor happens. Yeah. And then you, you find out that, you know, it's, it's your peers, it's writers and producers and, and other artists that are part of that committee. And there's a standard of what they, think about when they're listening and who's getting those Grammys. And so if you're an act that doesn't really write 
or produce your own music and someone else is doing that for you and you're just the voice of it, it doesn't matter if you go number one or sell 20 million records that year. It's the criteria of what is the standard of a true artist mm -hmm. at that moment. So if you got Steely Dan who have been that way for 20 years and they put an album out against you and they might have sold 500,000 and you sold 5 million, it doesn't matter. It's mm -hmm. the fact that Steely Dan actually wrote and produced mm -hmm. the movie. What about Millie Vanilli? They won a Grammy. And they had to give it back. <laughs> they, <gave> it back. <laughs> they didn't even sing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, again, that that's, you know, again, we can go back and forth on that and, and who was there at mm -hmm. the table. But do you think they used us, though? I mean, because... I think it was a little... Because usually we, the people that perform end up winning a Grammy, you know? Well, but, Britt didn't win one. Yeah. She lost to Christina Aguilera. Well, she year. was in the same boat with us, I think. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, yeah. Pop music, especially then, was looked down upon. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the American Music Awards, MTV, we won all those. But, and I don't think it was used because we all knew that the Grammys is the biggest stage that you could possibly mm -hmm. be on. The credibility of the fact that you're actually one of the performers. On and the that. bumps on your albums go crazy. Yeah, after that. exactly. Yeah. So, I'll take that. Mm -hmm. You know, again, everybody wants that achievement of saying. I still want that Grammy. Yeah. It'd well, look real good on my piano. <laughs> just saying. Well, now that the, the, the tides have changed over there, it's time to put out an album. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So what does life look like for you today? I know you're newly married. Yes. Um, seems super, super happy. Very happy. How do you balance your work and, and personal life uh, and still managing the biggest stars right now? Uh, well, for the most part is because the, I've limited the number of artists that I'm involved with. Mm -hmm. Number one, number two, most of the artists that I'm involved with have families now too. Mm -hmm. So they understand that dynamics. I do have a great new wife and, and my kids are older now. So it's not like I have to be at their baseball games every day or their recitals. So they're off in college doing their thing. So it allows me a little bit more time to be free to do the things that I need to do for the artists that mm -hmm. I have. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, what do you think you're the most proud of in your career? My kids. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. My kids. Mm -hmm. Um, from a business standpoint, well, you know, I'm coming up on 30 years of being in this game this year. Mm -hmm. So, and when I look back at my life and who I've been involved, whether I'm still involved with them or not, I've, I've been blessed, man. Mm -hmm. I've been blessed with so many great, talented people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always make this joke that I probably made more um, musical teen millionaires than anybody in the world. Yeah, I now, agree with that. Now, I don't know what they've all done with their money because yeah. I was not the business manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can but, tell you so a little know. bit about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean, you've been so great with us um i really appreciate your guidance through the whole in sync run um it, it's it was just i think we really had a good bond uh oh, yeah. you know during that and i was it was always so fun to just be able to bounce anything off of you and you would get the truth back you know oh, a lot yeah. of people were just not you know yeah sure yeah yeah but like you would always give us the hard truth yeah for me it's like better to tell you the truth if the sky is falling but this is how we're going to get out the way so it mm -hmm. doesn't fall on us mm -hmm. you know um and you guys took it well, mm. you know. And that's it's hard to manage thing. a group. I mean, all the different personalities, oh, yeah, that's yeah. like herding cats. Yeah. Now, that's a skill. <laughs> well, it, again, but I had I had 
you know, the Backstreet Boys and New Kids before that. So mm-hmm. by the time we got together, it was like, okay, I mm-hmm. can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we have to have a frosted tip before I let you go here. So for someone starting the business now and wants to work behind the scenes, what are some tips you would give them? Um, if you understand that you're not going to have a life, mm-hmm. you have to be patient um, because artists for the most part, don't understand the business. They understand what they want. Yeah. And when they want something that you feel is not realistic, you can't be mad at them. You just have to kind of educate and guide and go forward. Um, for anyone who wants to be a manager now, don't join a management company. Mm-hmm. Um, find an artist mm-hmm. and s- s- build that relationship with that artist and then sign up with a bigger management company. Yeah. So they're kind of like your support system, but that relationship is between you and an artist. Mm-hmm. And is that the advice you gave Scooter Braun? Because I feel like that's exactly what he did. <laughs> well, I didn't have, I didn't give Scooter anything. Yeah. I mean, he did this on his own and like, you know, look, that's one of those guys that I had absolutely nothing to do with his career other than the fact that he was a party promoter mm-hmm. for us yeah. in some of the shows, but he's a genius and how he's parlayed that into you know, the company that he has that went out and bought half of, you know, the K-pop situation that's mm-hmm. happening. So, mm-hmm. um, Oh, speaking of K-pop, yeah. what do you think they're really going through? Cause from the outside, it looks like they're being taken advantage of more than we were back in the day. <laughs> I mean, there's no way that they're going through this whole process and, and winning. Do you think, well, it's, I don't know about that. Yeah. You know, uh, again, like not, are they actually making money? Are well, they, I can only speak for what I've heard from BTS and, mm-hmm. and not being in the middle of it. I can't say that's a hundred percent, but there's a billion dollar valuation on the business. Yeah. And from what I understand, they were partners in the business. So they got a piece of it. Well, now good. all the 65 other bands that are out there being popped every week. I don't know, but I think the culture of that is they understood that going into it is, the production company is the, is the boss and you guys are like going to Disney. You're going to get hired in and you're going to be a character in the kingdom and this is what we're going to pay you. And it doesn't matter how many people attend the park today. This is what you're going to get. And at some point in time when you're not happy with that, you'll move on and we'll either replace you or we'll put another set of characters together that will we'll be part of the group. Yeah. So, And I do think South Korea has the boy band crown right now it, it was always going back from uk to america uk to america but now south korea has the crown do you think uk or america will ever get that back will there ever be a band that can break through to be the next backstreet or in sync oh or yeah. take that this group i have in orlando right yeah. now called no lonely hearts uh-huh. yeah so i mean five talented guys um you're working on the music and, and building the same thing mm-hmm. they're going through the boot camp that you guys went through right mm-hmm. now and it's like anything else, you know, it's just finding that one song and that one opportunity that, that breaks through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, is it hard to find the right song for a new band these days? Because we were lucky that you hooked us up with Max Martin and, and Dennis Pop. Right. I mean, that started our career. But I can imagine new artists today, because all these writers are booked two years in advance, how hard is it to find that, that hit for a new artist? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean again, even back then... You know, well, I, I think Max had the formula for the world at that point in time. So you could go to, I don't know if there's one producer now that has that. And then again, with the boy band, do you stay in that young, youthful, pop, clean thing when so much of the music is in a different, you know, mm-hmm. taste? And then you have 
there are a couple other boy bands out there from the United States that have taken on more of a R&B hip hop type of vibe and they haven't broken through yet. So I don't know, man. I mean, this is one of those those challenges for me. And I think for them, in the boy band world, this is my last hurrah. Mm-hmm. And I, I would want to make this my final legacy. Same thing with signing 98 Degrees. You know, back in the 90s, I had you guys in Backstreet, but mm-hmm. 98 was there. So when they came in to, with me two years ago, that was my trilogy. Mm-hmm. So now I had all the 90s boy bands. But mm-hmm. I think for me, I just want to because I love these guys, No Lonely Hearts, and dedicate and work hard like you guys did to have that moment. And again, they have to cut through that situation of social media, and then we have to get the bigger platforms like radio to embrace. We have a song coming called Uh, Call Me Back Okay, that I think could be that record. When is that coming out? June 20th. Okay. Oh, that's, that's just a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah. All right. A couple fan questions uh, from Real Shannon Black. What is your favorite Aaron Carter story? I'm I sure think just the, the day that I met him was my favorite yeah. story. And then I think the second one's probably we had this song created called um, I Think I Can Beat Shaq. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we just never thought we were going to do the song. We were going to have a Shaq lookalike, kind of mm. like. And then sh- the real Shaq showed up. Was he recording at Shaq's house like we did? Uh, no, yeah. he did that at the compound. Oh, yeah. But uh, but when Shaq's agreed to do it, it was like, uh, it was mm-hmm. a great thing. And you could see Aaron beaming from, from side to side. But I think that's between the first time I met him and that Shaq video. <laughs> some of the best times yeah i think a lot of people don't know that our first songs we ever recorded were in shaquille o'neal's house in mm-hmm. his studio <laughs> some of my favorite songs we ever recorded uh our acapella um um oh god what's the name of it uh when robin riley wrote uh i thought, I thought she, she knew, knew. why yeah. did i forget that name yeah. i remember recording i thought she knew in that studio and just knowing at that moment this was magic robin riley was a genius yeah genius 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 um, what's your favorite memory? This is from Corey Ann 19. What's your favorite memory within sync? <laughs> <laughs> so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. That's a, that's a good question. Cause things that stand out for me, Super oh, Bowl for sure. That yeah, just, that was a good time. Yeah. But I, I think this us sitting down and talking about the huge puppets Mm-hmm. And how we wanted and we foresaw <laughs> the opening of the tour with the no strings attached and the puppets and everything mm-hmm. like that. And then going to Sid and Marty Croft oh, yeah. to get them built. And mm-hmm. to me, that was a, a moment because it all came together. Mm-hmm. You know? Didn't we get sued by Sid and Marty Croft? Yeah, well, that was a Joey thing. <laughs> that was a Joey thing? Well, yeah, because Joey went out to to lunch with them and they had this thing called the bugaboos and, yes, uh-huh. and they asked Joey, Hey, you know, would you want to be in the new episode of the bugaboos? And he's like, of course I'm a fan, blah, blah, blah. And in Hollywood, that conversation to them was as an agreement. We have a verbal agreement. Oh, wow. So when they sent the script and the timing and was like, well, we're on tour, we can't do it. Mm-hmm. So it became something else. Oh, yeah. See, I never knew that. <laughs> yeah. I, I just thought I had to do something with a puppet or likeness of a puppet no, or something. No, no, no. They wanted us to do the bugaboos. Oh. It? Yeah. Bugaboo, a bugaboo. <laughs> All right. Which boy band was the hardest to manage by Laura Lynn 79? You can say us. <laughs> That's a hard question because each one of you had your own personality. So the challenges were, were equally the same. Um, no, I, I uh, look, 
I, I guess because of the outcome of everything, I have to say it was the Backstreet Boys because at the end of the whole situation, we couldn't see eye to eye on something. Yeah. So that, that made a lot more layers there for sure yeah. to have to. And then yeah. I had to, you know, like I told them, I said, look, if I'm not managing you and I'm only managing them, then I'm going to turn all my attention to them to beat you. Mm-hmm. And that's not a place that I ever wanted to be in because I loved at that point where we were all successful together. Yeah. But it just didn't end up that way. So I think they probably were towards the end time. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. We always like to ask everyone, what are you binging right now? What are you listening to? Uh, so do you watch, do you get to watch TV much? Yeah, all right, yeah, what, yeah. Do you, what do you like on TV? Well, give us a suggestion. Beef. Beef? Oh, is that the... Oh, yes, we need <laughs> to watch Netflix. Beef. Everyone keeps saying how great that is. Yeah. God, yeah. we have to add that to our list. That was great. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Power, a uh, yeah. few other shows for yeah. that. Musically, um, I'm re- I reverted back to the old school days. Yeah. But I like because uh, yeah. you have such great taste in music, especially music. I, you know, I didn't know Johnny Kipp until you. Right. You know, so <laughs> yeah. like, give us some good recommendation to go back. Let's go to our Apple Music and uh, and what what songs we need to know and have in our lives. Old school songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if you think about it, they're a band, but if you listen to their vocals, they're vocally as strong as you guys were, the boy band sounds, with the mm-hmm. harmonies and everything like that. Um, you know, anything that New Jack Swing, mm-hmm. back in those days, Teddy Riley stuff mm-hmm. that he did with, you know, Guy or, um, you know, Just Got Paid or any mm-hmm. of that stuff. I'm, I'm saying anything out of the 70s. You know, it's, it's just great. to You think that was the best decade of music? Yeah. Even if yeah. I listen to a group like Three Dog Night, you know, you know, just listen to the words and the lyrics. Chicago is another band. Oh, mm-hmm. Talking you know, about harmonies. I, yeah. You know, so, so it's so again, yeah, I'm truly dating myself. But if I had to <laughs> say, and I'm, you know, what, I'm a fan today of Post Malone, mm-hmm. you know. Which he changed his name now. Yeah. Did he? Oh, did he? Yeah. Didn't he? Oh, no, The Weekend. The Weekend. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what did the weekend change his name? To his real name. Which I can't even know. Abel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He dropped it. No longer the weekend. But I I like how the weekend kind of reminds me of a a younger version of Montel Jordan. This is how we do it because his his songs have a great beat in their pop, but they're also Mm -hmm. R&B and they're a little bit of hip hop. And he has that ability to Mm kind of rap sing through them. Yeah. And his storylines are great. So I'm a fan of Post Malone. Yeah, no, he's he's great. And I yeah. think The Weeknd is what, I feel like that's what Michael Jackson's music would have evolved to. Yeah. Like a lot of his songs, I'm like, oh, that, that would have been a great Michael song. Yeah. Uh, well, Johnny, it has been nice catching up that's with you. It? That's it. Uh, look, I was easy, right? Yeah. Like, no, I know. That was pretty yeah, painful. I was over yeah. here sweating bullets. Yeah. <laughs> that's the next time you're in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you would like to tell all these fandoms out there that have all come together? I'm doing uh, the world a favor by, you know, bringing everyone together. No more fighting amongst all the groups and all the fans. We're all one happy family now. That's it. Yes. So uh, what would you like to tell them? I don't know, God, just like, you know, support all the music that's out there. You know, I, I guess for those that are 90s boy band fans, don't forget about the up and coming boy bands. Yeah. And again, and if you have kids, mm-hmm. support them supporting those. Yeah. There will always be tweens. Yeah, exactly. There will always so. be tweens. <laughs> that's cool. Well, it's been great. 
uh, doing this. And uh, yeah, we're going to turn the tables on me. So, yeah, and, uh, I get you to, to ask me some questions. Remember, be, be nice. Be nice. Actually, you can do whatever you want. Um, all right, guys, that is all the show I have for you. Thank you so much for listening. You can always subscribe and all that kind of good stuff. And remember to go listen to my other podcasts, yeah. our scripted ones. Uh, we have Ingleside In, which has been great. It is now number 10 in the yeah, world. It's been killing it. And then uh, what's the other one we got, babe? <laughs> oh, The Last Soviet. The Last Soviet. Which is also yes. a, in the top you know, 10. What is so, that about? Uh, Last Soviet is a true story about Sergei Kurekalev. He's a cosmonaut that got stuck um, up uh. in space for 313 days as communism fell in Russia. So he's literally the last Soviet. Um, it's just a fascinating story. Yeah. Fascinating. Oh, I um, thought that was about your adventures. To go well, it, well, <laughs> it does. It weaves it all in. Okay. It, yeah, you'll see why they asked me to host it because uh, okay. it, we do weave our stories and the parallels we both had are just, it's, it's crazy. Like I got to live what he lived. We had the same professors. We had everything. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun to do that one. So before you sign off, mm -hmm. if you had that opportunity to do it again now, would you do it with going to space? Oh yes. A hundred percent. hundred percent. I refuse. I know now, with, <laughs> you know, I'd have to really think about it. Cause like, this is just like hopeful thinking, but like now that I have kids, I would have to really like, okay, do I really want to do this? Um, my thing is I would want to still go on the Soyuz with Russia because that's what I'm trained on. That's what I trust. Um, they have a way better, you know, track record. They've been doing it for decades. I want to get to the ISS and do my experiments. And I want to like really do what I was going to do. It's not just to go up and float around in space and come back down for you. Yeah, I was going to say that. So if Jeff Bezos said yeah, that's not, if he gave mean. me a free ticket, sure. Um, <laughs> they've all offered me one to pay for right. I'm like, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's only $20 million. I'm like, do you think I have $20 million to just <laughs> to go on a trip? To go into space for 45 minutes? Hell no. Yeah. You should be giving me a free ticket because I'm the one to help start let's, the let's space start tourism. Let's go go find me. Give me the space, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, I would like to get to the ISS. That That's that's my goal. Um, and, you know, that's a hard one now because there's a huge line uh, of, of people trying to, to get up there. So it would have to be – sponsored you know you'd have to right. go with a medical company or something like that you know to do their experiments uh but maybe one day before i'm B too old bucket list yeah bucket list, bucket list. <laughs> yeah we'll put you up in space like during that week before you die when you're when you're old yeah. let's actually send you off into space there you go well, yeah if i if, if if i'm in hospice when you die yeah just send me up and just let just keep and me just going. let you go yeah, just keep me going yeah i bet you'd love to just flow but you know what going place. up there under hospice you might be cured yeah uh, so you might come, come back, back like yeah. superman yeah. Yeah. Like, wait we can't get you back now so I'm, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm heading to mars <laughs> oh my god uh but yeah okay I, I need this to happen okay i'll call the lawyers i put it in the world now you're getting a GoFundMe to send me to space when i'm in hospice yeah yeah all right guys <laughs> thank you guys for having me <laughs> thank you of course. Uh, be good to each other don't drink and drive out there take care of those animals and we will see you next time on frosted tips and remember stay frosted hey thanks for listening follow us on instagram at frosted tips with lance and michael turgeon art and at lance bass for all your pop culture needs and make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars six if you can see you next time
Hey, L.A., Lance Bass here with the latest in the City of Angels. Immerse yourself in our vibrant fashion scene where exclusive streetwear meets high-end boutiques. Stroll through styles defining our bold, wildly creative city, like the unique finds at Melrose Trading Post, a real L.A. gem. Explore star-studded experiences on Hollywood Boulevard, behind-the-scenes studio tours, and moments of awe under our legendary blue sky. Picture this. The iconic Griffith Observatory, inspiring directors worldwide. Plan your weekend at discoverla.com. It's the time to leave your mark in the city of angels. Lance Bass signing off. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io/ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.